This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, really, this is the story about the crimes of Jeffrey Epstein and who else was involved, who else was complicit, who else participated. We know a lot about what Jeffrey Epstein did, how he got away with it, but a lot we still don't know. Maybe we'll be learning more in the coming weeks. Certainly the Ghislaine Maxwell trial was very important. She was very close to Jeffrey Epstein. And as this trial illustrated, was very much involved in recruiting, luring, grooming young girls for Epstein to abuse. According to some of these victims, she participated herself. As we await sentencing for Ghislaine Maxwell, attention will turn to Prince Andrew in the civil lawsuit he's facing uh, in connection with allegations that he was involved as well. One of the victims of Jeffrey Epstein says she was brought to Prince Andrew, who was very close to Jeffrey Epstein, and that uh, that was for the purposes of of a sexual encounter. Uh, Someone who's been following all of this, including closely following the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, joining us on the line this afternoon is uh, veteran uh, legal and court reporter Adam Klasfeld, managing editor of Law and Crime, joins us on the line here this afternoon via Skype. Adam, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about the Glenn Maxwell trial. First of all, it was, um, you know, it was a disturbing trial at some level. It was a very important trial. Clearly, the jury obviously took its time in in reaching a verdict. Five of six counts. They did acquit her of one. Uh, Your initial takeaways just from what you saw and heard through the trial and, and what this verdict says to you. Well, it's certainly a historic verdict in a historic trial. Uh, Just to put it into perspective, the indictment starts in 1994, going all the way to 2004. So I frequently describe it as a trial of more than a quarter century in the making. And this, of course, throughout the years, we had the uh, sweetheart plea deal of Jeffrey Epstein in 2008, um, the breaking wide open of the public record of this case through the efforts of the Miami Herald and Julie K. Brown uh, that set a lot of this into motion. And as you yeah. mentioned earlier, the uh, with Virginia Jufre, uh, her lawsuit against uh, against Maxwell, uh, essentially being one of the catalysts of this trial. So the the verdict was historic. Um, As you mentioned, the deliberations were intense. There were for six days, the jury was uh, closely analyzing both the prosecution case, the defense case. And we didn't know whether we'd be deliberating into the new year, whether the jury would still be looking at the evidence. So when the verdict came down, it was uh, quite a moment of anticipation. Uh, there didn't seem to be much reaction to the news from Glenn Maxwell, who, when I was observing her throughout the trial, had always been uh, very calm, collected, 
uh, didn't betray much emotion. She was uh, throughout the trial uh, jotting down notes with her attorneys. Uh, and so this was uh, for for the victims a very historic day. Uh, multiple the one of the victims, in fact, the only victim to testify at trial under her full name, Annie Farmer, uh, expressed her relief and gratitude at the verdict. So uh, just as I mentioned, just historic that a quarter century later, we have this resounding verdict described by two of Jeffrey Epstein's former pilots as his number two. Yeah. What does it tell us about Ghislaine Maxwell herself? And I mean, there have been different narratives that this is somebody who was just really motivated by money and status and was drawn to Jeffrey Epstein. Maybe to some extent she herself was was a predator. Maybe she was under his spell a little bit. I think there are some who almost see him as, as uh, or see her as a victim of his in a way. What what picture emerges of, of who Ghislaine Maxwell is here? Well, it's a very interesting question that you raise because one of the things that uh, came out with uh, at closing arguments, especially, was how little of this trial really focused on motive. The prosecutors mentioned uh, during summations that she received thirty thousand, excuse me, uh, thirty million dollars from Jeffrey Epstein in transfers, and they were hinting at financial motivations. One of the prosecutors, uh, assistant U.S. attorney Maureen Comey, uh, described it as we molested kids together money. Uh, And the defense attorney, uh, Laura Menninger, denied that. They said that they called that speculation. It was a kind of tantalizing piece of evidence because it was the small window we saw into the money trail. Um, This was a prosecution that was brought by the U.S. Attorney's Office's uh, Public Corruption Unit. Uh, So this was an issue that loomed large over the trial. Um, In terms of motive, that was the uh, that was as far as the prosecution and the case got into it, this kind of hint of a financial motivation. Uh, We had three of the women who testified against her saying that she participated in the abuse by touching their breasts. Uh, So there was that uh, testimony that came forward. But uh, one of the things that the defense had said throughout the trial was what would make her just risk everything to help sexually abuse these victims. But of course, the jury found she did just that um, into what motivated that and and what drew that, whether that was the financial motivation, whether there was uh, something, her long-standing relationship with Jeffrey Epstein uh, was only hinted at uh, over the course of this trial. And as we await sentencing and she facing possibly the rest of her life in prison, there is growing speculation that if she's looking for a way out, uh, that she knows a lot. We assume a lot of secrets died with Jeffrey Epstein, but a lot of those secrets may still live inside her, that she may know a lot of things. She may be prepared to name names. What do you make of all that speculation? Now, the experts who I have spoken to about that possibility uh, note that, generally speaking, and this comports with my own experience covering the courts for more than a decade, cooperation happens before a trial, because for prosecutors, 
there's a diminishing returns once a person has been convicted of such serious crimes that they can be put in jail for the rest of their lives. Cooperation, becoming a cooperating witness, uh, makes them a less reliable witness. You give a defense attorney in a, in a case coming up uh, an argument of, oh, she's only saying this now because she faced the possibility of life imprisonment. So there's that challenge. There's We don't know if uh, Glenn Maxwell would agree to becoming a cooperator. Um, then there is the other issue of generally cooperators are uh, intended to testify against people higher up in the chain. As I mentioned earlier, uh, two of Jeffrey Epstein's former pilots said she was number two and the number one guy is now dead. Uh, there's uh, Juan Alessi, who is the former uh, house manager for Jeffrey Epstein's Palm Beach estate, uh, said that Maxwell described herself as the lady of the house. So there's the question of who is up the chain, uh, as it were, if prosecutors were trying to pursue someone else. Uh, of course, Jeffrey Epstein knew many powerful people, uh, none of whom have been charged or, or accused of wrongdoing, at least not uh, by prosecutors, not by right. the government. Um, there have been allegations in civil court. Um, so in terms of cooperation, it, it's certainly within the realm of possibilities. Uh, I, of, of possibility, I know that uh, some legal experts have definitely said um, it is possible and it would be, of course, a seismic event in the history of this investigation and this story if that were to occur. But there are many uh, things that would make that a very difficult and perhaps even unlikely outcome. Right. Well, and Prince Andrew, and I guess a lot of attention now on, on the lawsuit that he's facing, uh, Virginia Jufre, one of Epstein's victims. Now, she was not part of the Glenn Maxwell trial, as I understand it, but I, I would imagine that these these guilty verdicts establish some credibility uh, to what victims are saying about what happened here. And, and that might not bode well for Prince Andrew. I know this week he's run into some roadblocks and trying to get this lawsuit delayed or, or blocked. Where do things stand with, with this lawsuit and have things taken a turn for the worse for Prince Andrew? Yes, well, in terms of his uh, his defeats and trying to delay this lawsuit by Virginia Giuffre, uh one just happened today. A federal judge earlier today rejected his bid to essentially stop sharing evidence with uh, Virginia Giuffre's attorneys until he tries to uh, gather evidence for his own jurisdictional arguments, trying to say this case does not belong in a U.S. court. So, uh, as you said, this does the convictions does they do establish credibility on the part of the victims. Uh, there is the fact that um, even though Virginia Jufre was not one of the witnesses that we heard of at trial it's unlikely we would have had a trial uh, against Glenn Maxwell, if not for Virginia G. Right. Frey. Um, she was the one who sued Glenn Maxwell in 2015. Uh, it was the public record established during this litigation that was brought to light uh, by the Miami Herald's uh, open records battle. Uh, 
it was also she was one of the people who participated in their groundbreaking investigation, perversion of justice. So uh, she is a key figure in this saga, even if we didn't hear from her in court. And as a kind of footnote to that, there are two pending charges still against Glenn Maxwell that haven't been tried. Counts of false statements, these perjury charges uh, relate to Virginia Dufresne's a lawsuit against uh, Glenn Maxwell because Glenn Maxwell sat in a deposition there and, according to federal prosecutors, perjured herself. So what this means for Prince Andrew, we'll see very soon uh, because he will be in court again on January 4th, 2020. At least uh, his attorneys will be in court and on a motion to dismiss. And uh, that case continues. And uh, again, it's a lawsuit brought by a key figure in the entire Jeffrey Epstein and Glenn Maxwell saga uh, who's making these allegations against him. And if all of that weren't enough, I just wanted to ask you quickly about one other element to this story, and it concerns the death of Jeffrey Epstein and what happened that night. Uh, the two jail guards who were on duty that night who were supposed to be keeping an eye on him, they were originally facing criminal charges. All of a sudden this week, that's no longer the case. So what happened there? So these two guards had entered into a deferred prosecution agreement sometime in May. And under a deferred prosecution agreement, basically what generally happens is you uh, have to be on six months of good behavior. And if everything goes right, uh, you know, 99.9% of the time, the charges are later recommended to be dismissed. And in an instance of what timing uh, mm-hmm. after, uh, you know, this, this deal is eked out in late May, then sometime in the middle of the trial, it's, there's this document known as a, a null prosequi, basically a, uh, an, a recommendation on the part of the prosecutors saying that uh, to abandon the case. Um, and they had arranged that in the middle of Glenn Maxwell's trial. Again, not a surprise. We knew that this was going to happen since the deal was eked out in May. And uh, the uh, the agreement was made public the day after Glenn Maxwell's conviction. Well, it's kept you very busy this week. Uh, Full coverage of all of this, lawandcrime.com. Adam, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated and happy new year. Adam Glassfeld, he's a reporter uh, with lawandcrime.com and uh, as mentioned, has been uh, very busy this week. Uh, Full coverage uh, of his articles. He's also managing editor of Law and Crime, lawandcrime.com. So, yeah, big development, obviously, this week concerning Ghislaine Maxwell, but still a lot to unfold in the bigger picture here of who else was involved, who else was complicit, who else knows things. So stay tuned on all of that. We got a lot more to get to here this afternoon. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.